Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today, we have a great show lined up for you once again. We will be joined by David Dicker, who is the head of oil and gas for Americas with the Greco. Now, Greco is a global leader powering the energy sector. But first, let me tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which the latest issue is featuring Alan Gilmer, who is the advisor and foreman chairman and CEO of Intervest, which is formerly known as Drilling Info. We also, of course, will be joined by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. But first, I'd like to tell you about one of the fastest growing groups out there that you can join for free. It's Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, better known as TEAK. This is the Energy Chamber for Texas. It is created to help you grow your business, network within the energy sector, as well as if you support energy, become an energy advocate today. For more information, go to TXEnergyAdvocates.com. Again, that's TXEnergyAdvocates.com, and I will see you at their next mixer. And now it's time to bring on our energy expert, David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. Well, I sure am glad to hear you speak again because you have been (laughs) under the weather, something close to laryngitis where you couldn't tape any energy minutes. So welcome back and uh, welcome back to your voice. I'm glad you found it again. (laughs) It was bad not to be able to talk for a week. I love to talk. What do you think that is, allergies, or did you just catch a cold? Every year at this time of year, I get a major sinus infection, and it got down into my chest and throat, and uh, and I just couldn't get it cleared up. Wow. Well, welcome back, buddy. We're glad to have you back. Let's jump into our questions because we have, of course, a lot of moving parts again. Uh, Exxon had a big win in its climate change trial in New York on Monday. I was so excited to read it. But that's yep. important. It's That outcome is so important, and not just for uh, Exxon, but I would think for the whole industry. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it really is. You know, this is a, a uh, case that has now lingered on for over four years now. It started as a case against Exxon with this ridiculous claim that they had some scientists in-house who knew all about carbon dioxide climate change theory back in the late 1950s because Some guy had given a presentation at API conference in 1958. Um, And and so that that loomed up into this lawsuit under this theory they called Exxon New. Um, And that all got debunked in the the middle of the the process. And um, and so in last year, early last year, the... the, uh, the Attorney General in New York, uh, Letitia James is her name, um, tried to transition it over into an investor fraud lawsuit um, and and brought the case and uh, lost it. I mean, just got completely poured out in court. Uh, the judge in the case was one of the Supreme Court justices in New York State. And uh, so Exxon was completely exonerated. And, and, you know, this is very important because it... It shows that, number one, these climate 
activists, these alarmists who really paid for all of this and are really the constituency for, for the state of New York in the case, um, you know, that, that their arguments are ridiculous, that, that judges, that this judge who is not a conservative judge, not a Republican, just laughed at their arguments in court. I mean, just ridiculed them as, as they were trying to bring that case. And then, you know, towards the end, on, even on the fraud charges, they, they were unable to prove anything. Not, not a single element of the case they were trying to bring. So, you know, their whole plan was to do this to Exxon and then to, if they beat Exxon, to do it to all the other companies in the industry. And so, yeah, it's very important, not just for Exxon. It cost Exxon millions and millions of dollars to fight this case. Uh, God bless them for not just looking for some easy settlement like most companies would do in this situation. Um, and, and so it, it, it just it's a big deal because hopefully it will have a chilling effect on this kind of litigation going forward. There are 11 other Democratic attorney generals sitting out there waiting to see the outcome of this case to decide uh, whether to try to bring their own litigation against things on, and hopefully this will convince them not to move forward. Exactly. And, you know, though, it's very much like the climate right now in D.C. It's, you know, nothing is provable in any way, but uh, yet we're going through scenarios. And I also think, you know, this is, you know, my opinion. Well, if anyone wants to say that there's an energy company that's responsible for not telling that they, uh, their investors or anyone that they were aware of climate change. I just want people to know how really ridiculous that is, because if that's the case, then we should be probably suing Al Gore for his inconvenient truth in which the stuff he has said has not come true either. And a lot of people spent yeah, a lot of money trying to adapt to what he was saying, and it hasn't come true either. So it's kind of ridiculous. And and these, by the way, are probably the same people, David, who are, I would think, driving their gas-guzzling cars and uh, sitting in lights in their houses and apartments and still flying around in yeah, D.C. and stuff, jets, yeah. a private jet yeah. and stuff. It's just ridiculous. I'm glad that this happened, and hopefully it's a I'm sure it's going to be a win for the energy industry as well. Let's move on to to gas prices because, you know, it's kind of been gasoline prices. They're at their lowest levels in many months right now, which is awesome for Christmas. Uh, You got a little bit more money for Christmas gifts under the tree. But the price of oil has actually risen over the last two weeks. So what's going on here? Are we going to see a creep up at the gas pumps or, or what's going on with this? Yeah, no, it's great. Um, you're right. Crude prices, you know, gas prices, in most instances, follow crude prices up and down, but uh, they haven't right now and during this time of year. And it's because we recently, the refineries all were able to switch over away from their summer blend season to their winter blend of gasolines. And what that means is during the warm months of the year, refineries have to manufacture about 100 something over 100 different blends of gasoline to be shipped to all different parts of the country. As part of the Environmental Protection Agency's Hayes Reduction Program, and because uh, Hayes is a much bigger problem, obviously, in the summer months than it is in the winter months. And so when you get to the end of October, mid-October, they're able to switch over to the winter blends, which there's only, I think, six of them, maybe seven. Uh, these days. And so it's a lot cheaper, as you can imagine, for a refiner to only have to make, you know, a tenth 
the number of products that they have to make during the summer months. And, you know, it's not just the making of them, but also the transporting of specific volumes of them to specific parts of the country at specific times becomes very expensive proposition. And so that just reduces, it makes gasoline cheap, cheaper during the winter months. And, and here we've had, you know, uh, the oil price has gone up uh, by about 10% in the last two weeks. But gasoline prices have continued to go down because transportation piece of them and, and the blending piece of them is so much less expensive. I paid uh, $2.13 for regular the other day, which is as low as I've seen in several oh, years yeah. now. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's really awesome. Nice time of the year for us to be getting these cheaper prices at the gas pump. So as of this week, Harold Hamm, which we've had him on the cover of Shell Magazine in the past, uh, he is the famous billionaire that uh, made news for his divorce, um, announced that he is stepping down and uh, he is going to, I guess, go into remaining the chairman of the board, if you will. Right. What are your thoughts on that? And why do you think this is happening? Well, you know, he's just uh, gotten uh, probably tired of working 80-hour weeks <laughs> running that company. Um, you know, he's, uh, I guess Harold's probably around 70 now. And, uh, you know, wants to enjoy life, I'm sure. It's, it's, but it's, it's a big, big moment for the industry because Harold, it, you know, really uh, was one of the great pioneers in shell production oil, particularly on the oil side, up in the Bakken Shell. Uh, his company for, for years now has been the largest producer in the Bakken. He's uh, one of the biggest players in the scoop stack region as well. And, uh, you know, one of the guys who really uh, has been very innovative in the business and his company has, uh, frankly, been one of the most successful companies that has focused almost entirely on shale production. So, you know, he's, he's been a leader in the industry. He was Mitt Romney's uh, energy advisor on the Romney campaign, uh, also advised President Trump during his campaign as well. And, uh, right. You know, I, I've known Harold for a long time, not real well, but been acquainted with him and just uh, wish him all the best uh, in the future. I hope he gets to get a little rest now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you are right. I, I do think when I look at who was really advising President Trump on energy dominance as we put forward on that path, it was a lot came from Harold Hamm. So good luck to him. I'm glad to hear he's going to go and enjoy life now. David, that is all the time we have. I look forward to having you back on the show, and I'm glad to see you're back and healthy uh, and able to continue the show. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch radio show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. 
Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Dickert, the head of oil and gas for the Americas for Greco. And David, I feel that you have helped all of us understand a lot more about oil and gas and how these technologies are coming online that are really helping the oil and gas sector become just way more efficient. So Mm -hmm. you're raising and increasing their profits. But also the company is keeping in mind the importance of also considering the environment at all times. And as we are now on our fifth show, I feel that it has truly become very apparent to me anyways that this is truly what you guys live, eat, and breathe almost is you can do and you can be energy efficient. You can help these operators save money, but you can also help them become greener. And of course, who that's right. a win for all of us. So no, that's right. That's uh, right. You know, we're all in this together. We all live on the planet together. But today's show is going to be geared around uh, what is going on today in power automation mm-hmm. and how it, power is really affecting the oil and gas sector. Right. So let's begin with telling me, what is power automation? So for us, uh, and really for the way we impact the industry, is um, power automation is using the most efficient means of power in real time based on the demand in real time. So it's really how are you matching the capacity that you have installed to the demand that is needed and making sure that you are at 100% as, as much time as you possibly can be. So we'll get into a little bit deeper discussion on that, but power automation is, is all about driving efficiency. Well, let me ask you about the process of moving produced oil from the wellhead to the gathering facility, which requires pipeline boost pumps. Um, especially in remote locations where utility power is unavailable and the most realistic and cost-effective choices for powering these pumps and generators. What are those, uh, what are those uh, products yeah, so, and services? Right. So in this particular application, what you have is you have a central gathering facility for uh, the crude oil. And so all of the different production uh, sites – uh, as oil is being produced, it's it's all coming to this gathering facility, and these large tanks are filling up with crude. And then periodically, at different times, 
these large pumps will start up and they'll move this crude from these tanks down a pipeline and, and, and take it to, to market, so to speak. So where power automation comes into play with this type of application is that you need a fair amount of power on site to operate the pumps, but when the pumps aren't operating, you, need, you still need power on site, but you only need a fraction of that amount. So, um, Had there been – tell me what was happening before Greco got involved. Is there some samples or examples of sure. what so, was happening? So let's say you need 300 kW on site to operate these pumps. So when the pumps are operational, which is, um, you know, say a couple of hours a day or, you know, eight hours a day, depending on what the, the, the amount of, of crude that's coming to the gathering facility, what that rate is, um, well, then you're using the capacity of the machine to operate the pumps. But when the pumps aren't operating, um, that 300 kW generator is basically just idling. There's no load on it because all you're operating is um, – uh, power for control systems and maybe a few lights here or there. So it's very, very small uh, power draw. But when you say idling, uh, do you mean that these uh, it's in, it's going at full gear even though it's not necessary? Right. Well, so yeah. it's burning right. what? Energy? It is. It's burning more diesel fuel. Uh, it's running in an inefficient state. Uh, you know, if you're talking about diesel engines, diesel engines operate at their most efficient state when they're when they're closer to a full load capacity. So when I say idling, I mean that the the generator itself is 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 running. The engine is running at, at full speed. It's just no demand on it, so it's not uh, producing that much electricity. The engine's running at an unloaded state, and uh, it's quite inefficient. Uh, and you're burning diesel fuel for no reason whatsoever. Um, so where power automation comes in is we take that and we automate the site. And when we automate the site, that means that the, the, the large generator only starts up and runs when the pumps need to run. There's the energy efficiency. Right. Ding, and, ding, ding. And so the, 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 <clears throat> the, the challenge that you have to overcome when you do that is, well, how do you run all the rest of the equipment that need power, that smaller scale type power? How do you operate that? So one of the things that we've done is we've designed a battery system. So we actually operate um, uh, all the controls and, and all the, the small power that's needed off battery systems. So when the generator's not running, then we're operating the side off batteries. Interesting. There's also a lot of discussion at the EPA level, right? Um, they're the regulatory arm of the government that regulates oil and gas, especially pertaining to the environment. And um, the Trump administration has come in. I'm not going to get into politics, but they basically have managed to undo a lot of regulation that probably wasn't necessary, and they're still looking at the environment I want to talk about uh, the Tier 4 standards coming mm-hmm. out by the EPA or that EPA has in place when we return from break. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch, and we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210 210- 
240-7188. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And we're back. Our guest today is David Dickert with Agreco. David, um, before the break, you you were talking about power automation, and I wanted to get into a topic pertaining to uh, new guidelines that are coming in, well, they're actually mandates coming in from the EPA um, on uh, Tier 4 standards. First of all, what is this Tier 4 standards that are coming in uh, and being regulated by the EPA, and how is that going to affect the uh, energy sector? And then, of course, we can get into right. what is Agreco doing to sure. help sure. manage that. Well, it's all about emissions reduction. You know, the important out- topic. <laughs> yeah, it's all about emissions reduction, and it's building diesel engines. And we'll talk about diesel engines uh, with this with this category uh, that have reduced emissions output. Um, so, Tier Four is a is a new technology. I mean, it's it's uh, in a lot of the diesel trucks that you purchase today over the road, and it's uh, where you see a uh, a DEF type a fluid utilized as a catalyst to clean up the emissions that's that's coming off of the engine, and there's a lot of electronics that go around the engine as well to to accommodate the tier four specs. And what is Agreco specifically doing, mm-hmm. or what what do you see in the way of technology coming online? Is Agreco doing anything to help the energy industry right. in dealing with the EPA mandate on mm-hmm. tier four? Right. Well, we're we we partner with um, engine manufacturers, and we're putting tier four engines in in our machines. And just a fun fact, I mean, um, Agreco globally, Agreco is the largest purchaser of industrial Cummins engines in the world. Really, yeah. I did not so, know that. So um, out of our manufacturing facility in Dumbarton, Scotland, we, we run a lot of Cummins engines through there. So as we're building our fleet and, uh, and we're working really closely with those guys to make sure that we have Tier 4 capabilities uh, as we move forward. Well, David, we've talked a lot about power automation. And now I guess my, my question is, uh, or I'm wondering, how. tell me a little bit about how this power automation actually lowers mm-hmm. admissions and um, and how it's being utilized. Right. So for us, the engineering of a power automation system comes in a different, uh, a couple of different um, varieties. 
So one is utilizing uh, generators, either diesel or natural gas generators, in conjunction with batteries. So we're transitioning between battery power and generator power based on a demand curve. Um, And then the other is utilizing technology to automatically start and stop a variety of generators based on load demand. And in both of those cases, um, we're positively impacting emissions because we're taking uh, engines offline. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, think about a 300 kW sitting on a site running 24 hours a day, and you really only need the capacity of that unit for eight hours out of that 24 hours a day, right? So you're just burning diesel fuel and emitting emissions into the atmosphere for no reason whatsoever. Doesn't sound good. So if you can stop that unit from running and go to an alternative power source, right. you reduce the emissions. Right. Well, you also reduce the cost, too. Right. So you reduce the fuel cost. You reduce the, the run cost of the machine. You reduce the maintenance cost of the machine. So anytime you can transition over to batteries, um, you're, you're, you're taking emissions uh, off the table. The other thing with where you have multiple generators and you can start and stop based on load demand is, as an example, let's take that 300 kW system. Instead of putting a single 300 kW on site, let's put three 100 kWs on site. And based on what the need of the power is, we will start and stop any of those three generators uh, at any given time. So if you need 200 kW, you just run two. If you need 100 kW, you need one. And when you need three, all three start up and come online. So you're able to control the output of the emissions based on starting and stopping based on what the demand is. Now, in order to capture all of that information, um, you have to have some type of technology that gives you real horsepower used in real time. So that's where a remote monitoring system comes into play to where on a daily basis or a monthly basis or a weekly basis, you can download real power demand curves and match them with the actual capacity you had online. So when a producer has to report out the emissions that they're using, uh, we're able to couple that type of feature with the power automation. So you get the efficiency in real time, in an actuality on the site, and then through a remote monitoring system, you can actually report to it and prove it. That is amazing. It just seems like this oil and gas industry just keeps getting smarter and smarter and efficient and efficient. And I keep saying that because I think it's important that that we all understand we have a, a totally wrong belief and perception about what's really going on in oil and gas and it brings me back to um, the conference that happens in Vegas every year. And you just kind of look out there and you realize none of these technologies would be here if it wasn't oil and gas. Right. And and here we are with more technology coming out through Agreco. So when we get back, I want to get back on the topic of power automation. But right now we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to an oil patch radio show and we'll be right back. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Dickert, the head of oil and gas for the Americas for Greco. David, we've been talking about power automation in the oil and gas industry. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about um, how the EMPs, uh, oil and gas companies, are utilizing uh, the technology 
Um, but I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the um, disposal wells that you guys are utilizing and your rod pumps with the same kind of power technology. Right, right. So a um, couple of applications to expand out this a little bit. So everybody, everyone has seen the uh, the rod pumps operating on the side of the road as you, you know, the pump jacks that, right. that, are, that are lifting the oil from the ground. Uh, you know, your typical look at an oil field when you ride by. So as as those fields begin to mature, those rod pumps operate um, intermittently throughout the day. Uh, so they may operate six hours a day. Some of them operate 24, but there's some of them that, that don't. Right. And when you're in a field that they have no power, uh, typically you'll put a generator on one of these rod pumps, and, and typically it's, it's fairly small, 200 kW or less on this rod pump. And so you have the same type of situation. Uh, the rod pump runs for eight hours a day or six hours a day or 10 hours a day, but the rest of the time there's really no power needed. You just need, like, very, you know, the, the, the amount of power that it takes to run a light bulb to uh, to power the controls of it, but yet you have this generator that runs all day long and just sits at that rod pump and operates, and it's only loaded half the time. Wow, that's energy. So we take uh, this power automation, these battery systems, and and we put the generator with the battery system on site, and uh, you know when the pump jack needs to operate. Uh, through controls and integration of controls, generator starts up, we operate, and uh, when it doesn't need to operate, everything stops, and the controls are run off of a battery system. On an average, how much, how many of these uh, pump jacks that are operating actually have and utilize mm-hmm. this newer technology right. versus the old? What would you say the average is? Well, I mean, for us, with what we utilize, we have hundreds of those systems out operating in any given shell play on any given day. Uh, because uh, it's something, it's 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 an application that's beginning to catch on, right? And uh, uh, there's real tangible benefit in a lot of areas, and it's really easily adaptable. So um, it depends on how mature the field is, and it depends on um, you know how the oil gathering is happening underground. But this is something that can be deployed very fast, and uh, so we have quite a many, quite a, quite a, quite a number of these operating. Um, you had talked about saltwater disposal sites, so saltwater disposal sites are the same way. So you, as you're driving through the oil field, you come across these huge tank batteries that, um, as as oil is being lifted from the ground water comes with it, and that water has to be disposed of, right. and generally that water is injected back into a disposal well back down into the earth. So you have these saltwater disposal sites that these big tanks, these trucks come in, and they offload this, this salt water, and it fills these tanks. And there's these large horsepower jet pumps that will start up periodically across the day and re-inject at very high pressure, re-inject this salt water back down into the earth. Same type of application the power that's needed is it, the, the the main power for that site is these big injection pumps. When they're not running, the power is minimal. So generally, when you don't have utility power at these sites, you ride by and there's these big, large containerized diesel generators sitting there. And, um, you know, these pumps uh, take 1.5 megawatt to operate in some cases, which is a big 40-foot containerized generator. But if the pump's not operating, 
you only need 30 kW or so on the site to operate. So you've got this big, massive generator that runs. It's not, not needing any power. So you're consuming all this diesel fuel. Uh, you're emitting all these emissions, and you're running through all this cost when if you had a battery system you could transition to and run for that length of time, you shut that big machine down. And we do that on saltwater disposal sites as well. Once again, how much of uh, what do you see utilized uh, in any of the shell plays? How much of your technology is being utilized? Or how much further do we need to go in helping these industries move to this new technology? I I think the big challenge for us is just kind of getting the word out. You know, it's understanding the art of the possible. And it's really understanding the way it's done today isn't the necessarily the only way mm-hmm. that or the best practice or the best practice so it's just really getting the word out and um uh every time you try to change something there's a bit of a, a animosity to do that because it's like well is this going to be as reliable as what we do today and you know this is the way it's always been done why don't we continue doing it this way and what we ask for is just let's have an open mind and um there's enough proof on a lot of these technologies that we're talking about is that they're real, they're viable, they're reliable, they work, and they produce results. So the big reason a lot of this is not being used today is just because, one, people don't know about it, and the second is you kind of have to have an open mind and think differently and be adaptable to change, and away you go. Well, I think also if these different types of areas, the disposal well and the uh, rod pumps, if the um, companies, um, the decision makers, uh, or in the case of the uh, the pump jack, um, understood the cost savings alone um, with why would you not want to do this? So once, you know, they hear about this technology, uh, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out, right. you know, you need to be moving to this because... It's it's a cost savings, right. and there's not a lot of profit right now at sixty dollars on any for anyone out right. there uh, in right. our oil patches. So, David, with that, we do have to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to get on a, the discussion of what's evolving here in the future with the Greco, and what do you see happening in the energy sector. And we'll be right back with more in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- Four seven one one nine two three, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth. 
and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source Side-by-Side -side Owner Study. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. Our guest today is David Dickert with Agreco. David, before the break, we were discussing how new technology coming online, power automation, is really helping in the areas of the disposal wells and the rod pumps. But now I really I'm interested in understanding uh, if you're can you tell me what you see coming in the future with the industry? Um, what new technologies can we look forward to coming on board with? Right. So we can definitely see the industry shifting into the direction of alternative fuels, which we've already talked about, natural right. gas, and utilization of batteries um, and solar to, to bring more efficiency. And the, um, the benefit of Greco is, you know, earlier in one of the segments we were talking about how a lot of the lessons learned that we have here in North America transitions into other countries, and we're able to, to take that. Right. Well, um, one of the things that Agreco is working on right now on a global scale is how do we take this stored energy concept and scale it larger? So today we're talking about utilization of batteries on relatively small scales of power need, right? In instrumentation power, um, little small 10 kW power loads such as that. What we're currently working on today is how do we scale that up into a very large capacity? So instead of uh, saying that we're limited for control power, say a rod pump, uh, think forward of saying that a megawatt or two megawatts of battery storage capability to be on site to where, the, where we have large-scale power that we can operate that scale over uh, 24 hour periods of time or eight hour periods through of time through a battery through a battery um, and that battery is recharged with either solar power utility power or generator power with natural gas that's on site so so that's currently in somewhat of a development stage right now and uh, Agreco recently acquired a, a, a really uh, great company uh, called Unicos that uh, is an expert in battery development and integration software uh, for battery to utility, battery to generator. Uh, so those guys are really, really helping us change the footprint of that. And, you know, on the global side of Agreco, 
um, in our power solutions division, you know, we were talking about microgrids here in uh, in oil and gas. That's really small scale for us. When we get into our power solutions business globally, we operate um, upwards of 300, 400, 500 megawatt power sites to where we become utilities in different countries. And it's this power automation, this battery technology that we're going to be coupling to that large-scale power solution. And we're going to be a net beneficiary of that, say, in oil and gas. Uh, We'll be a net beneficiary of that learning and that development that we can bring that into the oil and gas space to where we can utilize that, you know, 500 kW, 1 megawatt type battery system. That's in the future. It's not available now, but we're under development for that, and uh, we could see that here in the near future. That is just amazing to think about this new technology coming on and how it's being utilized. I think when I when, when I think about all of the industry's challenges, and there's so much misinformation out there, that is fed to to us on how bad oil and gas is. And then you, you hear the like the six series that we will complete to understand that oil and gas is actually very intertwined with with a lot of these renewables and they're utilizing them. And it almost looks like at some point, maybe in the near future, they'll really be working very well together um, to produce uh, oil and gas, and of course, with companies like Greco bringing on these new technologies and leading the way, not just for the United States, David, but also for other countries. Uh, that uh, there's, you know, you, when I think about how many countries just do not have access to simple, uh, basic utilities or water, and we every day just wake up and it, it's just a given that you can turn on your lights and. Um, mm-hmm. Provided you pay your your utility bill, of course, but you have access. We have access to utilities and, and clean drinking water, and there's countries that do not. And so, as you guys bring on these these new technologies, and, and trying to wrap my mind around that now this this is going to be utilized in the way of batteries. It's it's interesting. It's exciting to think that these are going to be great technologies that are going to come in and not only help inefficiencies and again of course the environment but i think it'll also have a huge ability to save lives as well in these countries and then of course you utilize it back in uh in the oil and gas sector so anything else that's coming on you for agreco in this area because uh i'm assuming you guys have been able to help a lot of companies uh become more energy efficient but uh, is there anything else that's coming online? Yeah, we've got a number of um, of, of new product designs when the, in the alternative fuel range uh, that's going to be coming uh, together as well, and more on that global footprint uh, for you know uh, power limitations in other countries that you were talking about. Uh, so you know we we develop uh, specific applications and technologies for the oil and gas industry that scale out and help other countries. And then on the flip side, because we're global, we have that in reverse. So we're developing technologies and, and different different items like these large-scale battery systems that uh, will transition over into oil and gas. So it's a good complement because we operate in all sectors on a global basis. We're able to complement one another. And because we work so closely with customers that work on a global basis, it, we it, we have a, a, a large-scale engineering and idea exchange between the two of us. So, um, good definitely, things. Good things. Definitely visionaries and uh, 
by the way, I want to say congratulations because you guys won the STEER, which is South Texas Energy Economic Roundtable's Eagle Ford Excellence Awards, specifically in this area of power automation. So mm-hmm. kudos to you guys and great job. Right. Thank you. Yeah, we uh, I think we're the first uh, we're the first generator company to win an environmental stewardship award. So that's that's uh, we're really proud. But of But the listeners can hear why you won. <laughs> exactly. And you did win it because you deserved it. Yeah. Thank you again, David. That's all the time we have for this show. Be sure to like us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash in the Oil Patch Radio Show, or follow us on Twitter at Shell Mag. If you are interested in keeping up with In the Oil Patch Radio Show or the latest issue of Shell Magazine, you can do that. It's free. All you have to do is go to www.shellmag.com. Again, that's S H A L E M A G.com and sign up for our free newsletter. That is going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.